I know it's after Halloween, but we're going to talk about something spooky. Christian nationalism. Welcome back to the show. My name is Cody Lawrence. And now that all the liberals have been scared off by the spooky phrase Christian nationalism, we're free to talk. Jesus is king. If you're a Christian, that is what you have to believe. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Jesus is king, and he was made king then. Some Christians believe that Jesus is not king until some future date, but in fact, according to the Bible, Jesus is king now. He is not just king in some ethereal, spiritual way, but he is literally, physically king now over every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every government, every person. Jesus is king. Jesus is king over people who don't recognize him as king. Jesus is king of Christians. He is king of atheists. He is king of pagans. He is king over governments who recognize him as king, which right now is very few. And he is also king over governments who don't recognize him as king, such as America, such as Canada. Whatever the highest authority is to you is God. And in America right now, the highest authority to a lot of people, especially the government itself, is the government. The government is the highest authority. And if there's no higher authority over the government, then the government is God. The people, even Christians who believe that there is no higher authority than the government, even the Christians, you know, the, the Christians who proclaim that Jesus is Lord and yet completely ignore Jesus when it comes to the government and um, follow the government as if it were God. Those Christians are not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Those Christians are worshiping their actual Lord, the government. Along with thousands, millions of other people who are not Christians who are worshiping the government because it is their highest authority. We, Christians, faithful Christians, we do not want the government in submission to the church like um, the pagans accuse us of. You know, we get we get all these accusations like, ah, Christian nationalism. Oh, we want, you know, you, you guys want the church to be in charge of the state. Separation of church and state. No, that's not what we want at all. There are three spheres. I talk about this often. It comes up all the time on this podcast. There are three spheres of government. There's the civil government, the family, and the church. These are three institutions that God has given to us, three kinds of governments. They overlap in some ways, and in some ways they are entirely separate. They cannot step on each other's toes. The family is a real government with real authority. So is the civil government, and so is the church. They all have real authority. They all have real bounds of authority. 
None of them have unlimited authority. None of them can create their own authority. All of their authority that they have been given, which is a limited amount of authority, has been given to them by God. There are situations where churches overstep the bounds of their authority. There are situations where families, where fathers or mothers overstep the bounds of their God-given authority. And obviously, and most prevalently, we see that the civil government loves to overstep its bounds of its God-given authority. This is something that us Christians need to be aware of that exists. And once we understand the three spheres of government and its limits, we can understand exactly how those spheres of government ought to biblically conduct themselves. The family is or should be in submission. Every family. And actually is. The family is. Every family is in submission to Jesus Christ, its king, if they recognize him as king or not. They might rebel against that submission, but ultimately they are under the rule, the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Same way with the church, obviously. That's the, that's the, <laughs> the one where we need to stretch our minds the least to understand. But also the civil government. The civil government actually is in submission and should act consistently with that under Jesus Christ. So, people will accuse us of saying we want the church to be the head of the government. We do not want that at all. We want Jesus to be the head of the government. We want the government to recognize Jesus as its head. Just like we want the church, obviously, to recognize Jesus as its head, and we want the family to recognize Jesus as its head. Now, why is it that a lot of the the pagans and Christians alike have no issue at all with Jesus being the head of the church, and they have little to no issue, probably, with Jesus being the head of a family? But they have tremendous issue with Jesus being the head of the civil government. Well, I would argue that that's because the civil government is their God. And they don't, you know, people don't like competing gods. You can't have two gods, the Bible says. And when their God is the government, they don't want the real God swooping in and taking its thunder, right? It's also interesting that the pagans and the, uh, you know, the unfaithful Christians, they don't have any issue whatsoever with the government, the civil government, holding control over the church. They don't have any issue whatsoever with the church being in submission to the government. But they do have a problem with the government being in submission to the church. Now, this is blatantly obvious because these people wanted churches to submit to the government during the past two years because of the vaccines and the mask mandates and all the rest. They wanted churches to close. Um, churches have to obey what the government says. Families and their, their personal health decisions. You know, we want everybody to submit to the government. This follows because their Lord is the government. Faithful Christians ought to want all spheres of government 
to be in submission, not to each other, but to Jesus. The pagans, the unfaithful Christians, also also scream at the top of their lungs, separation of church and state. But there is an established state religion, incidentally. And it's the religion of the state. There is a God, and it's the God of the government, and it is enforced and it is established. And if you disagree with that, then there are are ramifications. You could be punished for that. So, yeah, I'm all for separation of church and state. Let's outlaw the current state government uh, where we're worshiping the state. Yeah, let's, let's outlaw that, shall we? Let's abolish the worship of the state because this is the state religion. That, some people might say, sounds like Christian nationalism. I don't think we ought to be afraid of the term Christian nationalism. When we first heard it, it was used as a a derogatory term to demean Christians because you think, you know, when you say nationalism, you think, um, oh, like Nazis and and all, all these other bad connotations. Nationalists are bad. But the thing is, we we have nationalism now. The the structure of Our society, I mean, we have a national identity. We are Americans. Now, there are many ways where that national identity is being undermined and destroyed, it seems. Or the left wants to transform that national identity into something else. But regardless, we have a national identity. We are, America is a nationalist country. Except that nationalism is secular. It is not currently Christian. It is secular. And so they will accuse us of being Christian nationalists when they are secular nationalists. And if we have to pick between the two, then we ought to very clearly and obviously pick Christian nationalism. We want a nation under God. Interesting. I think that's from the Pledge of Allegiance. One nation under God? Aren't we not a Christian nation? (laughs) So I want to talk about separation of church and state. Uh, We will also be accused of, you know, wanting to undermine freedom of speech and separation of church and state. But here are some interesting facts. I have four points for you. One is there is no separation of church and state now where the state is the church. Let's apply separation of church and state equally, shall we? Like I said earlier, abolish the religion of the state. So the people who who are crying separation of church and state to oppress Christians actually don't believe in separation of church and state themselves with their secular religion. Point two, contrary to what many misinformed or malicious people might believe, America was founded as a Christian nation. A lot of people would disagree with this, but if you actually look at the facts, it undoubtedly, irrefutably, was founded as a Christian nation. And like I said, even in the Pledge of Allegiance, we 
that is a remnant of America being a Christian nation. <laughs> Every single colony was actually established as a way to further the kingdom of God and proclaim the gospel to the world. And every colony had an established Christian religion. Some of them were different denominations, but they all had an established state, you could say, Christian religion. Some were Anglicans, some were Presbyterians. Um, Anyway, even after the states were formed, point three, Some states had established churches, state churches. And most states, I thought this was really interesting when I heard this recently, most states would actually not allow Christians, uh, not allow non-Christians in government positions. You had to be a Christian who was a member of a local church to even be in office. And point four, separation of church and state outlaws the federal establishment of a church not the state establishment of a church not the um not not allowing people in office who are a part of a church but establishing the uh, a federal church that's important one of the main reasons that it was um that separation of church and state was was um was put into the first amendment was because it didn't want to uh, suppress Christianity, but it was actually for Christianity to flourish. This was to allow for freedom of religion because the founders didn't want America to become like England, which had an established church and didn't have religious freedom and mandated belief. They didn't want America to be like that, but they did want America to be Christian. This is interesting. There is a book called Christian Nationalism. Well, there's there's two books recently, and I uh, I have read the one by Andrew Torba, and I am currently reading the one by Stephen Wolf. Andrew Torba is more of a um, a theological look at Christian nationalism, and Andrew Torba, by the way, is the founder of Gab. Incidentally, pretty cool. Uh, and then Stephen Wolf is the author of the other book, Christian Nationalism, which is a political theory book, and it's really interesting. But I recommend them both. But in Andrew Torba's book, uh, he talks about a lot of those facts that I just gave you about um, separation of church and state in the epilogue to the book. And he gives beautiful arguments throughout the rest of the book as well um, about kind of the the practical approach to Christian nationalism. So, America was a Christian nation. I wouldn't call it a Christian nation now because the um, the general population of America, even Christians themselves, seem to be fighting against Christianity in America. Yes, Christians fighting against Christianity. So, if Christians... You know, because America was a Christian nation and a lot of Christians are fighting against this. If Christians believe it's some kind of sin, and many do, to work towards a Christian America, many, many um, either ill informed or malicious Christians, wolves, want you to believe that it is 
bad for America to be a Christian nation. One thing that they have to contend with is this. The colonists, the founders of America, who risked their lives traveling a one-way journey across the world to an unknown land, not knowing if they were going to survive or not and for how long. They traveled there primarily for the purpose of spreading the gospel to new nations and creating new Christian nations. The Christians who believe that creating Christian nations is a bad thing would say that those colonists who risk their lives are in sin. That is something that they have to contend with. I'm not willing to say that. I think biblically they're doing a beautiful and wonderful thing. Jesus commands, in fact, that we should disciple the nations. He says the nations. He doesn't say the people. He says the nations. I think that's interesting. Disciple the nations. And that's just what we want to do. And I think if we are being consistent with Scripture, like we ought to be, if Scripture is our authority, then we have to recognize that we have an obligation to disciple the nations. And part of discipling the nations and commanding them to do, or and um, teaching them to do all that Jesus commands, includes teaching the nations to honor Jesus as king. That does not mean to compel belief, but it means to disciple the nations. It means to spread the gospel to the nations. It means to put people in positions of power, in leadership positions, in the government, in in schools, in uh, wherever you could possibly put people in, in leadership. It means to put people in leadership who are faithful Christians. It means to grow your families, grow your churches, impact your communities, change your state, and influence the nation until it can rightly be called a Christian nation, as America used to be able to be called. Not anymore. But that is what we want again. You know, as conservatives, we want to conserve good things. And that is a good thing that we can conserve. Christian nationalism. To have a nation united under Christ, you know, as we say in the Pledge of Allegiance, as we have been saying our whole lives, as you say, um, or as many of us said in school countless times growing up, every day in the morning, one nation under God. We can either have a nation under God, which seems to be the best Christian option, or we can have a nation not under under God. Those are the only two options. And for a Christian to say that, yeah, I want a nation that's not under God seems ridiculous and stupid. So faithful Christians out there, we ought to want to have one nation under God. And we ought to behave in a way to bring that about in all the ways that that takes. 